Hello and welcome to the Spacefluencers podcast hosted by the Education Action Group of Spacefluencers. We are a bunch of space enthusiasts that want to bring more students and professionals to the space community. With this new podcast, we want to discuss school developments in space topics. For our first episode, our team members Naman and Kiara talked to Manish Verma of Luna Zebro and Prachi Sachdeva of Alter Netherlands about rovers for lunar and Martian exploration. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hello everyone. Uh, welcome to the first podcast of Space Freelancers. And I'm very excited to tell you that today we are going to be uh, discussing more on the rovers and uh, some basic questions about the rovers. And our chief guest today is Prachi. Uh, hi Prachi and uh, thanks a lot for coming. And uh, I'll just give you an introduction about her. She's a technical consultant at uh, Alden Netherlands. And she's also a partner relation lead at, lead at Lunar Zebro. And uh, we are all very happy to have you here, Prachi. So thanks a lot Thank for coming. Thank you. Thanks, Naman. Awesome. And our second guest here is he's not a guest. He's a part of our team. Uh, he's Manish. Uh, he would, uh, and I guess all of you know, but still, uh, he is the team leader of Lunar Zebro and he has been working in the field of space for now almost a decade, more than a decade I guess and, uh, we're, uh, and he will be answering the technical questions regarding the rover. So thanks for joining us Manish here today. Thanks someone for having me. Awesome and uh, we also have with us Kayara, she is also the co-founder of Space Freelancers and is just finishing her bachelor's and she will be uh, uh, giving us the perspective towards the non-technical jobs and uh, other things that are in the sector of the space, especially in a teams, uh, student teams where they are building amazing uh, things like Rover. So thanks a lot for joining, Diana. Thanks for having me here today. Awesome. And uh, I'm Naman, uh, and I will be moderating this podcast. And I have with me Rathrakshi, uh, which is a community manager at Spacefluencers. And uh, with this, uh, we will be starting with our first question. And our, my first question is directed to Manish. So Manish, uh, there have been a lot of talks uh, recently about the rovers, especially when the NASA landed the Perseverance on the Mars. So can you just tell us more about uh, why uh, right now uh, like the rovers are preferred over humans for the exploration missions? Yeah, thanks uh, for the question. It's a very interesting one. Uh, sorry. Uh, almost all space agencies have to find a balance between human missions and uh, robotics missions. Uh, given that uh, the extreme conditions for Moon, Mars, or any other planet or uh, celestial body outside earth is uh, is very uh, is very harmful for humans and setting up a huge uh, sustainable or even temporary base for us is very difficult and most of the times the environment is quite unknown so it's it is much more easier to send rovers or even robots in general like satellites to collect all the data and also have ex ex experimentations uh, done so that you know whether the system works or not. So rovers are very good uh, means of doing technology demonstration for crucial subsystems, uh, such as oxygen generation. Right now, Perseverance is carrying an instrument 
to generate oxygen through water on Mars. Uh, a lot of the times, uh, especially power systems are tested on, on these systems. And I think the most important thing is that robots, uh, uh, they teach you how to operate such a complex mission without having human com complexity in it. Uh, we should all remember that uh, human missions are not as simple as just putting three people in a in a capsule and sending them on the way. It has a lot of psychological effects. Um, medical science has to be uh, uh, learned from, and also you have to gather a lot of data, and you have to make sure that their return journey has to be safe. Robots don't yeah. really need to come back. So yeah, this is why most of us would prefer, and this is why I'm also in the business of making more robots than the humans is that uh, it's the most preferred way of collecting data as much as possible. And you can also get a lot of things done. No matter how many humans you send, you'll always need machines to help out, exactly the way you do it on Earth. So yeah, I still think robots are the best way to explore our solar system. Yes, definitely. I completely agree with you because like uh, when you send a human, you have to basically take care of the human and you have to bring them back. And that's a really uh, good point. Uh, but uh, when you talk about the experimentations that the rover uh, or the robots or the ro this kind of robots conduct, uh, if the robots can conduct all the experiments, then do you think uh, there will be a time will be coming in which uh, there will be no no reason that we have to send humans outside in the space? Like everything can be done completely with the help of robots. There is no need to send uh, any human at all. Well, to answer this question, I think uh, you should look in the past. The whole reason why we sent uh, rovers is to collect data for our own visit. So, I mean, you're trying to look for new places only because you want to visit it one day. Otherwise, there's no point going there. So, yes, definitely in the future when all the experimentation and data is gathered and it's safe for humans to travel, they, they, they are the ones who should go there and make the most make the most out of it. It's also the curiosity of humans which uh, which leads them to explore and expand um, and you can see that uh, with uh, Elon Musk pushing pushing to go to Mars and be a multi-planet species yeah 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 uh, I guess I completely got your point over there uh, but now you have talked uh, about the Mars and there have been uh, uh, like the rovers that we have and the rover missions that uh, there are a lot of rover missions that are going on around the world they are very different when it comes to the mars and when it comes to the rover missions to the moon can you give us a, a lot more insight of uh, insight in those areas we are like how they are different what are the challenges uh, that they have when you are conducting a mission for the ro for the rover on the mars compared to a rover on the moon Yeah, so there are two main uh, differences. One is definitely the environment. Uh, both have quite extreme environment in general compared to Earth, but they are also quite different from each other, especially in terms of the atmosphere that Mars has. The biggest example I can give you is the landing procedure. You can see that based, most of the Mars uh, missions use uh, parachutes to decrease their uh, landing speed and land safely. And at the end, like NASA uses an air crane propulsion system to land the final uh, mile. While on the moon, you cannot use uh, the atmosphere to land. So you're completely dependent on your propulsion system. Uh, these create a lot of complexity. I mean, if you look into the documentation for all the rover systems, uh, it has taken approximately five to eight, 
uh, four years to like perfect it, even get the things working. The the other main difference between Mars and Moon is purely distance. I think uh, people, uh, most of the people, misjudge on how far planets are to each other on a on a book diagram. Uh, but in reality, it takes a lot of time and effort. And uh, if your if your transit time is huge. It, it completely changes the risks and the um, uh, way you manage your project or mission overall. Uh, also, c communication. For Moon, it takes, I think, a delay of uh, three seconds, and Mars is about uh, 20 seconds. So you can already see that an autonomous and non-autonomous systems will have difficulties because in daily life, we are not used to such a delay. Uh, so I think that's that's the two main differences between these two. And the last difference would be what is actually going to be from that mission. Of course, you can do the general missions like sampling, finding out the water content and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, two planets, these two places are very different and they are used for very different purposes. As you will see in the roadmap for NASA, uh, Moon is used for a completely different pur uh, purpose compared to what Mars will be used finally. So, yeah. I think uh, it's good that we have two big challenges in the future to conquer, and it will really uh, uh, see on how much as uh, technology and engineering we can actually come up with to tackle these problems. Yes, definitely, and I'm very uh, excited about that as well. Uh, uh, but uh, when we talk about the challenges in the development of those rovers, so when you mentioned that you have to build a very complex uh, uh, landing systems when it comes to uh, Mars compared to the Moon. So, uh, what are the technical challenges that you have to tackle in order to uh, be to you know so that the missions on the Mars and the Moon are successful? So, what are the key technical challenges or that uh, that you have on on those missions specifically? So I'd like to stick to the moon then, because answering for Mars, moon, and Earth at the same time, taking a lot of time of the podcast. So just yeah, for the moon, um, for the moon, I would say the two biggest uh, challenges on a engineering level is uh, is going to be your temperature swing, because uh, you have to swing a temperature of 300 degrees Celsius from all the way to minus 180 degrees Celsius, or even minus 220 degrees Celsius to plus 180 degrees Celsius. Most of the materials that are made are not are not meant to swing that much. They can maybe swing at maximum uh, 50, 80 degrees, but this is a very large swing. So you have to have active thermal, thermal control systems to make sure that the system does not, uh, during operating or during or operation, they do not swing that much. And uh, radiation is not seen as much of a problem uh, as, uh, as, as many people would think. Uh, most of the cost technology of the shelf which are used in daily life now, so like you can see cell phones, they are all mil-spegged. So radiation, they are okay as long as the life mission time is short. So given the Lunar Zebra project, the, our life mission is 14 days. Our electronics can survive for those those many times those in that very extreme radiation condition. If it was two years to five years, which a multi-billion dollar rover has to do, okay, then it's a problem. And the biggest problem for all rovers, how big, small, or how complex, or how cheap you are, it's going to be always the lunar dust. Lunar dust is your biggest enemy. Uh, it will uh, rupture through any known metal, any fabric, any mechanism that we come up with. It just depends. It's not about what, uh, what, uh, how it will get through. 
it's just a matter of when it will get through and if you can do emission before the lunar dust actually damages your critical systems. So yeah, these are the two main challenges and I think these two main challenges are also for pretty much every other uh, planet or system that you visit uh, using robots or humans. Uh, so, so you currently mentioned about the lunar dust, like uh, they, they rupture the all kind of materials that we have. So uh, are you at Lunar Zebra right now researching on on the material side of it as well, where you're developing a, uh, a material which has higher resistance compared to any other material, especially for the uh, for the lunar dust? So exclusively we are not because the project is more geared towards having a technology demonstration for the entire rover that already takes quite significant amount of time and manpower uh, to, to do so. If we if we were doing specific R&D, uh, I think uh, a very well-known partner of ours is uh, Arcyon. It's a startup company itself, and they have come up with a new cement matrix composite for the CFC uh, composite. And we use that material as one of our bases at the bottom plate and solar panel. Uh, substrate which uh, we think is more re resistive to uh, lunar dust than uh, than metal or uh, mm -hmm. any other multi-layer insulation we might use later uh, but it needs to be tested and this is why this technology demonstration mission is so important uh, if we come up with a, if we can prove that we have such a material in-house already now all the missions in the future will be much more safely uh, safely done so Luna Zebra, in partnership with Arcyon, does do a little bit of research with it, but uh, we are going to do technology for them. And that means uh, a significant leap uh, both in uh, flight heritage for them and for us, because if we finally manage to make the rover work, we can launch this concept again and again. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it, it's quite interesting that you have uh, mentioned about your work at Luna Zebra. So I would like to uh, pivot more towards that 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 aspect, and I would like to ask you like um, how uh, the lunar zebra and the, and the rover that you are building right now, which is a, which is called zebra, how is it different or how is it unique in terms of other kind of rovers that has been sent earlier to the moon? What is your mission profile and how you have built a special rover for that? Right. Uh, so Zebra is uh, special in two ways. One is it is in its locomotion system, where most of the rovers that you have seen or people see usually have wheels. We use uh, spe uh, special C-shaped legs, uh, which have been borrowed from University of uh, Pennsylvania in the Vex project. Uh, and we think that this type of locomotion is uh, more suitable for very rough terrain. So for flat mm -hmm. surfaces, wheels are the best answer, no doubt in that. But for rough surfaces, which are usually for rovers on the moon, uh, C-shaped legs are much more efficient and much more uh, 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 resilient that they will not get stuck very easily as compared to wheels. The other thing that makes it unique is that, uh, uh, of course, there's the, the size itself. So it only weighs about 2.5 kilograms and is the size of a standard A4 sheet uh, for your size uh, reference. But also the good thing is that uh, most of it is based on COTS technology, very similar to what uh, CubeSat's uh, industry started from about 15 years, years ago. So we make it more accessible and cheaper for uh, more complex missions to be done. Uh, and the last thing in the future, in the long roadmap down the line beyond 2023 is to have a swarm of rovers, 
uh, where mm-hmm. multiple time rovers can work together just like ants do and do more complex uh, tasks in uh, much less time which uh, one rover would do it in a uh, few years so these are the three main aspects which makes a uh, zebra different and unique uh, compared to other rovers that are in existence right now that that's that's very interesting and uh... I'm actually really happy that I'm part of that university where you are building this kind of amazing stuff. Uh, so now uh, I would like to move more towards you know the non-technical side uh, of of the things. And um, uh, so uh, my first question to Prachi to you is uh, like uh, being a student team, I am pretty much sure that uh, you would have like a lot of challenges when it comes to uh, being partners on board. And as you are the partner relations lead, uh, how can uh, what is your strategy towards bringing uh, the partners on board? Because you're not a startup, you're just a twin team, and at the end, uh, you're not gonna give them much of a financial return if uh, compared to a startup. So, what is your strategy strategy towards uh, that specifically? Thanks, Naman, for the question. Um, I don't really agree with the point that we don't uh, give any financial returns. Uh, there's, of course, a lot to be gained. Um, the first thing is that companies, there's a budget which is allocated towards PR activities and just uh, presence in, in their own community within the universities, within other industry yeah, companies. And when you pick them up with such projects, then you really visible. It puts you on the And a lot of companies, on that and we give them the stage to do that secondly um taking a pick from the we have a very niche field we're working with a space and we're building something that's quite cool almost everyone you know finds space technology extremely exciting and if companies get to partner with that also considering the, uh, the amount of opportunities in the work for you know, companies to work with space is quite limited. Um, and I think the fact that we can offer that opportunity is uh, something special for them. But more importantly, this is an opportunity for them to scout for talent. Uh, companies are often looking for ways to attract uh, fresh graduates and students. projects. Uh, they know exactly the talent they want because they're working with it. And it's a great place to seek out potential in terms of uh, recruitment. So yeah, a couple of things that are really useful for them. Uh, yes, I, I actually completely agree with you when you bring this point up that uh, the way you provide the value to the uh, to those companies in a way that they can uh, see like, uh, they can recruit the fresh graduates who have already worked on some uh, pretty heavy jobs in, in the university time. So um, my sec- second question would be to you that uh, there are many technical teams uh, and Lunar Zebra is also uh, building a technical product at, at the end. But uh, there are many non-technical jobs as well uh, to support the, 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 the technical team. And you are doing that one uh, specific kind of a job. Uh, so my question to you is, uh, can you explain like uh, as per on your personal experience, like, uh, what's the importance uh, of uh, of job that you are doing right now, and how uh, is it? Uh, uh, what are the challenges in that specific job that you have 
currently and how can the students who are listening to this podcast who are not very much interested in in a technical job uh, can be uh, can, can can get an inspiration from that specific uh, thing um I think it really depends on what a student is looking to develop as a skill. Of course, people who join the team for technical goals are looking to improve themselves in that particular area. The reason that I'm associated with the partnership department is because I already work full time in a technical job. This helps me to develop the personality, which is something that is very uh, common during my day job, which is my other test. Your voice is cutting in. Uh, can you just come a bit closer to your microphone, maybe? Can you hear me now? Uh, yes, I can hear you, but it's like it just cuts in between. Okay, I hope it's clear now. Yes, it's clear now. Yes, yes. Yeah. So what I was saying is that the decision to join a particular kind of team uh, for a student really depends on the skill that they want to develop. Of course, I. Uh, if we speak specifically of the lunar zero, there are no at the moment who are from a completely non-technical background. So even the people in our technical departments, uh, sorry, even the people in the non-technical departments are pursuing technical studies or have completed technical education at some point. Uh, but of course, that is not mandatory. I think most people who join these departments are doing so because they are looking to develop a different part of their personality. Um, when you're talking about partnership, it gives you negotiation skills. Um, you really have to be outgoing to, I mean, be blunt enough to ask for money or time or resources from a company. Um, it gives you a good sense of uh, business and because you, of course, have to understand what is it that the companies are seeking and try to provide for them. Um, and we have a lot of technical people, electrical engineers, as well as aerospace engineers, it might be more doing that. Uh, and speaking from the PR perspective, our media team, is uh, usually people who have a very creative side to themselves. So people who, no matter what they're studying, love to be very, you know, present on social media, who have creative side, who like to design, who like to conceptualize things, and they help us out over there. So I think that there is a lot to be gained from Yes, definitely. And uh, I, I completely agree with you on the point that uh, the people who are interested in developing a specific part of their personality, they can join the non-technical job. And I am personally doing those kinds of jobs as, uh, as well uh, in some projects. Uh, so now I would like to ask Kayara, you have also been um, interned and, and you don't have a technical background as well, but you're working in the teams which are related to space. Uh, can you give us more uh, insight upon your personal uh, uh, journey towards it and how you, uh, how the team has helped you to grow uh, as a person? Thank you for that question. Um, yeah, so I mean, from my personal experience, I come from more like um, the background of looking at the sustainability and it's definitely much more of a social uh, studies. Um, but I was always very interested in space. However, at the same time, had that misconception that I had to have the technical background. And over the past year and a half, it's become more clear that that is really not the case. I mean, especially the, the space sector is such an interdisciplinary meeting ground for so many different people. 
So you also have in terms of education and outreach and also marketing and science communication, you need all these different skills to come in and to join together to to create something. So it is also that it's often the technical side and maybe the non-technical side working hand in hand to also reach out to a larger audience. Um, but at the same time, I find it super interesting. And I think being in these teams has really helped me to understand, uh, yeah, all these other things. So I was like, well, I, I have no idea how, for example, how rockets or how rovers even work or what they do. They always seem a bit uh, magical to me. <laughs> so being in these kind of teams really helps to, uh, yeah, definitely broaden my horizon and uh, to see these other sides. And I hope that I can then contribute also with a different point of view and maybe with uh, the point of view of somebody who wants to enter the space sector but doesn't really know how. Um, yeah, so it, I think it really lives from this exchange and from trying to get a lot of different disciplines on board. Uh, that, that's really great. Uh, so, uh, Kayara, can you just also give us uh, more insights upon, uh, like, uh, uh, I think you have been working uh, more closely towards the policy side of the space. Uh, how do you think, like, um, how important it is right now specifically in the space sectors, you know, like to students to come more uh, in that specific policy development domain and uh, the things that are uh, related to that specific domain. Um, yeah, so I've, I've been mostly working on uh, the field of space sustainability and a little bit trying to get into the, the policy side of things, especially in terms of, uh, for example, getting space on like the global sustainable development goal agenda and to work towards that and i think that is incredibly important and if people find their passion in that and and have a drive for that we really need it because yeah these sustainability issues it's not going to wait we really have to act fast so i definitely think it's good to get young people on board with that yes definitely actually and uh at uh as well we're also thinking uh, of being the second podcast on, on sustainability because it's a very important topic and i believe that the people who are or the students who are listening to this uh, they can get more uh, uh, more interested in space from now uh, after understanding like how uh, the space industry is moving forward uh, so now i would like to ask rudrakshi if you have any questions then definitely ask to our speakers Uh, you're muted, Rudrakshi. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. I have a question from Manish and Prachi. Uh, how do you came with up the, with up the name Lunar Zero? Like, who came up with the name? I think I will. I think I think I will. Uh, I will leave that question to Prachi. Okay. Yeah, well, the lunar part of the lunar zebra is, of course, from the fact that we're trying to go to the moon. Uh, but the zebra part comes from the, well, it's a Dutch shortening for phrase Zes Beinig Rover, which means six-legged rover. So like Manish explained previously, that one of the special things about the rover is that they have C-shaped legs, and uh, there are six of them. And uh, that is the part which is the Zes, and the Beinig is legs. The rest is the rover, so that's why it uh, shortens down to zero. Okay, and who came up with the idea of the sea-legged uh, you know, shape? 
Yeah, so the C-shaped life support the project, like uh, Manish mentioned, one of the early members of the Nairzi that with them mm-hmm. okay. to join our team. Great. So, Rakshi, do you have any technical question, anything uh, more specific for us? Okay. How can kids like teenagers in uh, high school or, you know, can contribute or see what's going on in the Lunar Zeroverse? Yeah, so unfortunately, the Lunar Zebras uh, format and the team structure does not allow much from uh, high school students to interact directly. Uh, but we have a parallel uh, project in Luna, in, in TDAL called the VSV CubeSat or the Da Vinci CubeSat. And that's specifically focused towards high school students. Uh, one of the ways they engage high schools is by, have, by developing the CubeSat, but they give the payload to the high school students uh, where a payload is launched and then they use that payload in space to collect data and reprogram it and see what its effects is. And that's quite unique. No high school student can claim after before this project that they have worked on a CubeSat payload and actually done some uh, readings and data analysis. So uh, for, Luna, for Luna Zebra itself, it's a very, you should also understand that Luna Zebra is in itself a zebra group where we host and manage parallel projects uh, like analog missions uh, to multiple locations around the world. We also do R&D work. And this is where the high school students can come in very, uh, can come and learn new, uh, new, new skills. It's not the first time Luna Zebra will be doing it. About two years ago, we hosted we used to host uh, biannual uh, programming uh, hackathon for high school students as young as uh, 10 years old, all the way to 16, 16 and a half. And uh, to be all fair to them, they came up with better codes than we could. So uh, there are a lot of opportunities. It's limited. I understand, the, I hope uh, you understand the limitations of uh, managing a project at a university and a company level, but also at a high school level. Uh, most of the contribution from high school students to the project comes in shape of uh, trying out new ideas for the rover, which is not directly linked to the moon moon project because the moon project goes a little bit uh, too detailed for them. But definitely for Earth applications, we are much more open. Uh, to be fair, if you have an idea and you think it will fare well, just pitch it up. And we are more than happy to listen and see if we can actually support that kind of a project within the, within the Zebra group. Uh, we have done it in the past, and I think uh, it would be only fair that we give a chance to every other high school student the same. Well, that's really uh, great. There's a lot of resources online as well that specifically get towards high school students. So ESA has towards education. I'm sorry, um, Cutting a bit so you can come closer to the mic. Can you hear me? Yeah, I was saying there's a lot of uh, other uh, web companies and foundations which work for students as well. So ESA has a branch uh, which is especially dedicated towards education. Uh, similarly, the Airbus has the Airbus Foundation, and their website often has a lot of resources as well as challenges that are specifically for high school students. In fact, Universities are not allowed to participate in that. 
And I know that last year, this Facebook challenge. I'm not sure if uh, school students were allowed to participate, but I guess they probably were. So even though you may not have the same opportunities as at Lunar Zero, there's a lot of other stuff that uh, in the space sector that really welcomes high school students as well. That's really awesome. Uh, I would love to explore it out. Good luck. Uh, if anyone uh, other than uh, you want to have, yeah, they can raise their hand, then we can uh, keep them on the stage if they have any specific questions. Either technical, either non-technical. Everything is fine. Anything um, I, wanted, I wanted to add something, actually, because a lot of uh, this podcast is mostly directed towards uh, school students. I think one of the misconceptions when you are in university or in school is that student projects are probably not as uh, you know, serious or not as um, high level as what people are doing in the industry. Uh, but what I've seen is that's actually not true because most of the research is actually concentrated within universities. So the output that student projects generate is often far higher than what you see coming out from big companies or bureaucratic companies. And that's also one of the reasons it really gives them a nudge in terms of how much research they can get in a short span of time or with a short investment. I mean, that's not very possible. Yes, definitely, Prach. I can completely uh, agree with you on that specific point that uh, the projects that, uh, especially like Luna Zebra, like they're sending a rover to the to the moon. That that that's uh, highly uh, that that's very aligned with what the industry do, and you can learn a lot as well. So this comes um, uh, to my last question to the Manish. Uh, so Manish, uh, if we think about like the students who are trying to uh, want to join the team, uh, like Luna Zebra, uh, so what kind of like so this, this question? Uh, they have a big question in their mind, and that is uh, like how are these student teams different from the projects that the students usually do during their educational studies? Like why should a student consider joining the teams like Luna Zebra because they will be spending a lot of time there. Uh, they were doing a lot of work, so why should they consider that specifically? Manish? Oh. Yeah, sorry, had some problem with the unmute button. Uh, first, uh, thanks for calling me dumb, dumb, <laughs> but I hope uh, I would like to clarify two things when you have to join a student team. Uh, there is no good time or there is bad time to join a student team. You should join it because you want to extend and go out of your classroom and do something by uh, getting involved in a lab. So whenever you find the right time to do it, you should just do it. And it doesn't matter which team you join. To be honest, I've been in uh, two student teams and multiple student projects. And at the end of the day, you learn pretty much the same thing. It's teamwork, working with uh, tools, uh, creating more network. I think that's what the course part of the learning experience should be. It's not the vehicle that you end up making. Because if you don't have fun making it, uh, I think then you could just move on to a different team or not do it all together. So in general, there is no difference in which student team you join. The only difference is 
is that your is is that field of research or that project interests you or not and this is why i also encourage people from all faculties to join lumazeva despite it being z like space version of the rover you should not be scared to apply even though you are from industrial design architecture or even applied physics it does not matter you're still an engineer and you're still more useful to a project like like us uh uh lumazeva currently has about Two students from uh, IO, which have done an ex exceptional job. We have students from architecture, we have students from aerospace. The only faculty I think we're missing is applied physics, but I think that's only because of their uh, course is very tough, or they do not really find a common goal with us. But I think that's not very far off. That when we start making uh, instruments, they will be much more interested in the in the in the project. So. Yeah, just join any anything you feel like. You can also just join because you have a friend there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Don't excuse. There are thousand and one excuses I can list for people to join too. <laughs> yes, and, and uh, I personally believe that even if you are not to, if you don't want to contribute in a technical way, you can definitely you know contribute in a non-technical way, as as the Prachi is doing here. So, Prachi, would you like to add anything to that? What Manish said. I think basically there is only two main things. There is knowledge and application, and the knowledge is in the classrooms, and application is in your student teams, and in in industry, in thesis projects, and internships. So anytime you application, you have to find an avenue to do that. And while you're studying, that avenue is student teams, and when you graduate, avenue is working for a company. But the work is pretty much the same. So I think anybody who wants to apply their knowledge is is welcome here and encouraged to do so. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So thank you, Prachi, for your response. So and last, Kayara. Yeah, I think I just have to to second what is being said, especially what Manish said. Just go for it and and give it a try and test out these things i think yeah from my personal experience i'm so glad that i just went for it and tried to see if if i could find my way in the space sector and i absolutely love it and i'm just happy i took that leap um so yeah i would i'd recommend it to all other people as well so amazing uh so thanks for your responses everyone and uh, so it's the last call from my side to anyone in the in the audience they want to ask any question to our speakers uh, they can just raise their yeah. hand and we can uh, listen to their question is there anyone who wants to talk to our uh, experts over here <clears throat> um, i guess not <laughs> yeah so we have see sharpron uh can you please put it on so drakshit hello hey can you hear me? yeah well yeah we can hear you what's your question hey so i know towards the beginning um you were talking about how basically human missions now need to involve some form of robotics or machinery i'm wondering um what does the landscape look like or what kind of developments have there been made for like for robotic systems that have a human in the loop. So I know in school, like I've been learning about cyber physical systems. Um, so I wonder if anybody can talk a little bit more about that on specifically robots designed to work with humans. 
Uh, Banish, would you like to answer that? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, one of the main principles for robotics was space, especially as that our human is always involved in the loop. It depends now how much responsibility the human has in that mission. Uh, if you see how the Curiosity rover is, uh, is, is run and the way uh, lunar rovers like the Chinese rover is run, there's always a human in the loop for, let's say, navigation. Uh, in comparison to that, uh, the Perseverance can do quite a bit of autonomous navigation and a human is not in the loop for that. It's mostly for verification and validation of what the rover has come up with. Um, I think uh, there's also a misconception in, in like general public that uh, robots are supposed to replace humans. Uh, bad news, good news, it's not going to happen. There are few things that you, only humans can do and a few things that only robots can do. And it's better that uh, both of them help each other to do certain tasks. So there'll always be human in the loop. Uh, and robots will uh, will most likely not have full full autonomy as such, uh, but they will have enough autonomy where the where the humans are left to do other more meaningful jobs. Biggest example is uh, ISS and uh, uh, ISS. Uh, you can see that. Uh, what kind of robotics like the Canada Arm 2 takes up? It's it's a fully fledged robotic team, uh, robotic part of the ISS, and it can pretty much protect itself. So it has all the sensors, it has all the force load sensors to make sure that it is carrying the right object. But there is still a human operator on ground. Uh, you can think similar stuff for when you go to the moon or the rovers. The rovers will have something similar in function. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Thank you. Okay, no problem. Thanks for your question. Um, so, do we have any other, as you actually say, curious mind in our audience? Uh, I guess not. So, uh, and I would like to say thanks to our experts over here, Manish and Prati, thanks a lot for joining us today. It has been an amazing uh, experience for us all and answering the questions to everyone. And uh, thanks for that. And to all our listeners, thanks a lot for joining. Uh, do uh, do like to follow us on Instagram, our, and our handle is Space Answers. And if you want to join our Discord channel, then do join us uh, by going to our website, which is called spacefluencers.com. Uh, there's a link on the Discord. You can join us, and we have been. We are coming with a lot of other events, especially for high school students and for people who are not uh, much into space. We are bringing a lot of events for them. So do consider joining us. And if you have any review for our podcast, then do send us a message on our website. And uh, if you have more, uh, if you have any specific topic in your mind that you want to, you know, listen about and uh, talk want us to have a podcast on definitely send us a message we are uh, ready to hear for you from you so thanks a lot everyone for joining stay safe have an awesome day yeah and Thank also you. Um, if you want to ask questions or give feedback you can write it up on the podcast text channel so thank you everyone for joining thanks manish uh, so prachi thanks for joining us today thanks a lot thanks Prachi. thank you and nice to meet you Kiara. Bye. Nice to meet you.
All right. Have a good day, everyone. Thank you for listening to the first episode of the Spacefluencers podcast. We hope it got you interested to find more about rovers. You can join our Spacefluencers community by heading to community.spacefluencers.com. Link is in the description. And hop on to our Discord server to leave us some more feedback about the podcast and connect with more space enthusiasts from all across the world. Stay safe and stay healthy.